This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Ideal Poultry, Garlands of Grace, and our supporters at Patreon.com. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Psalm 92, 12 through 15. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bright Hearth. And we have a topic that I think is one that has astonishingly few resources attached to it. And it's one of those areas where I know I've regularly lamented. As a pastor, I think Lexi and I have both talked about this several times, that this is an area that needs more really good hands-on practical blue-collar attention, and it's the area of grandparenting, I suppose. Grandparenting? Is that a word? Grandparenting. <laughs> Being a grandparent. It's a word and a vocation. It is. It is, and our culture's not good at it. No. <laughs> We've lost this connection vitally between the generations, I think, and having shared goals, right, a shared vision for what life should look like, and uh, it's an area that I hear lots of, you know, younger families in the church kind of have lamented over the years that they feel a lack sometimes of um, connection with their parents in raising their own young children now. Yeah. And so th- really in this episode, there are two goals. Uh, let me just say first, actually, the best possible person to hear from this topic on would be someone who had 60 years of Christianity under their belt, <laughs> believing grandchildren... <laughs> <laughs> that we're coming into adulthood, leaving an inheritance to their children's children successfully. And my friends, we are not that. Nope. We are in our 30s. <laughs> and uh, so we're not LARPing in this episode. I don't want you to hear us like speaking as these seasoned, we've had all this experience as grandparents. We're self-consciously talking as 30-somethings who have our own children. You know, We're in the thick of it, but also pastor people from young to old. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I pastor people young to old. I don't want to pull a Beth Moore there. Uh, and have just just thought, you know, this this needs more work. And so we're going to do our best to shoot our shot and provide as much help as we can. And uh, But there are also, of course, there are older folks that you should definitely tune into, C.R. Wiley type of folks who are up there and have believing children who are having their own children. I want to put a plug in for Becky Pliego. Yes, We've got to spend some time with her family, and even the times we haven't been able to, it's because she's had to cancel for being a grandma. Yes. (laughs) And even that I've been so encouraged by. And so just even just following her on um, social media, she's she's the gal that like put together the Bible reading challenge a couple of years ago, but I just really, she had a really unique take, I felt like, on grandparenting when we hung out with her and her husband this last year. Um, and just understanding the covenant succession and what that meant for her time and her work. Yes. So she's she's been such a helpful resource for yeah. me. I'm going to put a link to her Twitter account in okay. the episode. I just gave myself a note. Her Twitter handle is at Becky, B-E-C-K-Y underscore Pliego, which is P-L-I-E-G-O. Becky is uh, just a great encouragement. Her and her husband, her, we, I've, Spoken and interacted with her son, Santiago, as well. Great young guy uh, working with, I think, New Founding. 
and doing some interesting things there. But yeah, if you guys have, it, when you see the posts for this on Twitter or Instagram or on our Patreon page, if you have great resources to link to, please share them with us so we can share them with our mm-hmm. listeners. I know, you know, we love a lot of what the Wilsons have written on grandparenting and the Nancy. Yeah, Nancy's and, book is really good. Is it called Silver Lining? I think it's the Silver Lining. Yeah, yeah. Silver Lining. Again, there are some resources out there, but it's it's an area where it's just really shockingly under-resourced. And For how much discipleship needs to take place. Yes. Yeah, there's the number of resources don't match. Yeah, and also a lot of resources just generally in Christian family type stuff, intergenerational type stuff, is really heavy on principle and not heavy on practic, on practicum, on practical applicational blue collar with theology with calluses, as we say at New Christendom Press. So we're hoping this episode is, is practical for you. And really, we have two goals. And the first one is to encourage grandparents and older Christians now who are listening. I know we have some listeners who are in the grandparenting years or looking at them very shortly. We want to be an encouragement and a help to you. And then also, we'd like to, for our younger listeners, don't tune out. This is helpful in two ways. One, we hope that this is something that you could share around your church and community for the grandparents that you do know but also so that we can all together set an aim and say like, hey, if we want to be good vintages of well-aged wine, like Bilbo's old Winyard stock that he left Frodo, and Frodo actually finished drinking the day he left the Shire and with Sam and the Fellowship of the Ring, Bilbo's father laid up that wine is what Tolkien wrote into the book. And so if we want good vintages like that, we need to start laying up bottles now. We need to bottle those now. We need to be the kind of Christian parents now that are aiming to become glorious Christian grandparents. So we hope to encourage younger folks as well and give a trajectory that we can all be aiming for together. So that said, there are basically four buckets we're going to just have a free conversation around. And the first one is the glory of godly grandparents. We'll talk about the goal of godly grandparents. We'll talk about counterfeits of godly grandparents. And then we'll talk about the gospel and close it out with just to look at how the gospel relates to grandparenting and godly grandparents. So first, the glory of godly grandparents. And I hope that you see this as a theme that really permeates the way that we think about a lot of subjects at Bright Hearth and New Christendom Press is it's important to think about the glory of a thing. The glory of a thing is the weighty goodness of that thing being and doing what it was made to be and do. And so a star is glorious when it sits in the heavens and shines out the glory of God and marks times and seasons like God set it out there to do. Uh, A father is a glorious thing when he raises his children in the discipline and understanding of the Lord, because that's what God made for fathers to do. So we're going to talk about the glory of grandparents. The Proverbs tell us in Proverbs 17, 6, that grandchildren are a glory, that grandchildren are the glory or are the crown of of the age. It's funny because I literally just pulled that verse Did up. You? I didn't know that you were going to. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, our outlines, I write them, and then I, if Lexi looks at them, it freaks her out. So <laughs> <laughs> she never knows where we're going. Uh, grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. And so godly grandparents are a glory. The glory of grandparents, I would say, is like the glory of a medieval cathedral. It's something that's been long in the making, it's seasoned. It's not a mayfly. It's not something that was thrown up in 10 minutes. There's time that went into it. There's, there's a, a kind of like seasoning that's, that's accrued to the life. The wisdom is not just theoretical wisdom. It's lived in. Grand, gr- godly grandparents are a glory. 
I think the juxtaposition of this could be to encourage people in their older age. What do you see as glorious in your life? Do you see the chubby toddler is glorious or do mm. you see your quiet time and your mopped floors as glorious? Oh, yeah. You know, or like your vacation and all of these are, believe me, I love having clean floors. I like having walls that don't have mud on them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I even like going out on dates with my husband, believe it or not. Yeah. So I'm not saying like, if you're in your older age, there, there is a unique gift in that season. I fully understand that where your children are grown and you do have a little bit more mm-hmm. time. But are you finding the glory in those things or in what scripture actually says the glory of that season is for? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay. Yes, absolutely. I think this is one of the systemic failures of evangelical culture in the last, you know, maybe few centuries is an ethos that almost borders on planned obsolescence where we tend to build impermanence into the foundations of all of our cultural values in some ways, meaning like we don't think in terms of 500 years or 50 years or 250 years, we tend to think in terms of five minutes, five days, five weeks, five months, maybe at a stretch of five year plan, but we haven't been taught as well to be thinking about what do I want? Like if I'm a godly grandparent and I want to lay my, you know, I want to lay down in my coffin on the last day, when my race is finished, having left everything on the field with satisfaction, looking at my children, looking at my offspring, knowing that I didn't worship the house being spotlessly clean. I let my, I invited my family in and it, my grandchildren and it was messy. And I poured out my strength in that last season of life, serving the younger generations. I aim to leave them an inheritance that would set them up to take ground for the kingdom of God and their families in the next generation. All of that is such a glory when it happens. Yeah. And when you see it in the wild, when you see a family like, you know, Becky Pliego pouring into her kids, her her grandkids and her kids in the Pliego family, it's a glory. Yeah. I mean, and it's a rare glory, unfortunately. So that's one of the aims that we want godly grandparents to be thinking of you young people as you're aiming for, what do I want to become in my older years? Grandparents now, how can you be thinking, knowing that as you pour yourself out, um, you're actually reaching down through generations that you won't even see. As you leave inheritance for your children's children, there are children they're going to have, and they're going to have grandchildren that you are serving, and you're reaching into the future. There's a glory of this legacy of future faith and future Christian conquest and future fruitfulness that you get to participate in as a godly grandparent today. So let's get practical and talk about the goal. Some goals, these are not exhaustive, but just some goals that grandparents might have in mind uh, that you would keep in mind as you're laying down the foundations, maybe younger folks getting ready to, you know, and you want to end the race well, and you want to plan ahead now to do that. Maybe you're a grandparent today. And the first one is, you know, I would say the goal of godly grandparents is to, you know, basically put the finishing touches, finishing work in on a godly legacy. So when we were building our house, and Lexi is probably going to go, well, you haven't actually done all this work, but there's a point in the home building process where you're moving from, you're not putting up walls and roofs, and you're not putting in, a, you know, these big electrical connections, and you're like caulking baseboards, putting the finishing touches on, 
putting those little pieces and effort in and painting walls that bring the finishing touches on the house. And I like to picture this end stage of life, this last quarter of life. If you think of life as like a game with four quarters, the last quarter of life, you're not putting in foundation. You're not roughing in. You're doing finish work now. You're like putting the last touches in. Like the the, the psalm we read at the beginning, they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. We could see Psalm 103 says that, you know, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it's gone. Its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant, remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. When you're in that final stage of godly grandparenting, the last quarter of your life, you're really putting in the finishing work in on hopefully foundations and walls that you've put up over your whole life. Now you want to finish well. Lexi, what has been one of the easiest ways to turn a profit in our home in a way that's also fun for the kids? Good question. I think raising backyard poultry tops the list. We get lots of eggs and the kids always love helping take care of the chickens. If you're trying to get your backyard poultry operation started, check out Ideal Poultry. Ideal Poultry is the country's number one backyard poultry provider, and you can benefit from their work by visiting IdealPoultry.com and placing an order today. Again, that's IdealPoultry.com. Check them out and get some birds for your backyard. It makes me think about how that is the good and godly ideal, but how we also live in a fallen world where sometimes we are still having to parent (laughs) after our kid turns 18 and they move out for whatever reason, like you were saying, if you get saved later in life or if you just raised a foolish child who made bad decisions and you're still having to parent them. I really see grandparenting as a vocation, like a job title that God gives you. Yeah. And because of that, you don't get to turn down the work for something else you'd rather be doing. So if you're in that circumstance, I think it's okay. What's the verse you said um, when we talked about this briefly? Oh yeah. Like the Lord can restore yeah. the years the locusts stole. Yeah. So because of that, persist in the good work of being a grandparent and just also understand that he, he does use that work. It, it's kind of, in some ways it's like mothering doesn't always feel very glorious. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't mean like I don't get to do it. You know, so there's something else I was going to say, but I don't remember. That's okay. I was thinking about, you know, how true it is that some of you look back and maybe you go, well, I didn't do that rough. I didn't do all that building work early. I was saved later in life. And so there's not finishing work. Like I still feel like I'm putting up walls. And and the thing is, do the next thing. Yeah. Don't despair and give up. You do the next thing. You, 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 you take the next step. You, you give the next deposit of faith that you can. And you trust and you pray that the Lord Mm -hmm. can restore and the Lord can give grace. And um, I, I think this does another another goal of godly Christian grandparenting that, that I think of, and another way that I think about it is that I'm hoping that I can take advantage in my later years and that we can of the compound interest that we've received in a life of God's faithfulness to us and transmitting that wisdom. It's like an investment. In the early years, you don't make that much return because the principle that you've saved up isn't that big. 
it's in the later years that you start to reap the like the compound interest when you've there's a bigger amount of principal you've saved up and i think that's how like paul for example in titus 2 thinks about those older years is that now you've been poured into hopefully you've worked and built up and saved and so now you're you're in the business of transmitting the things that god the inheritance that god has given you so it's not for you you don't build yeah. up all this stuff just for you he says Older men are to be, he says, as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine to Titus. He says, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. They keep going. I can't remember where I read this, but it was very interesting and helpful. The author was basically pointing out that Paul, in that section and in other sections that I can't remember off the top of my head, but Paul is basically pointing out that as you get older, there is a temptation to not remain steadfast. Yes. And so he was pointing out, like, you have to understand, you don't look at what was behind and say, hey, I'm done with that. I served my time in the nursery. I don't need to pour into the young families at yeah. church. Or I raised my kids. I can go, you know, live in a trailer in the middle of the woods now it's on my It's my own. turn to be served. Yeah. Um, he is saying, no, forget about what was behind and keep pressing ahead and remain steadfast. Yes. So, and I think... This is, as a young person, this is hard to say, but I see it really often where people really do check out mm -hmm. once their kids are gone and they kind of start picking up like sinful bad habits yeah, or being carried away by various doctrines or just really like emphasizing things that should not be primary and neglecting yeah. their kids like as the, a result. The pursuit of pleasure yes, and things yes. like that can easily creep in because you can think, look, yep. I've done my time. I've, I've lived my life. I've saved and up. Paul and is, Paul is saying, no, you need to remain steadfast in the gospel. Yeah. He even says to older women, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Think about that. Gossiping all day, uh, just oh. pursuing <laughs> pleasure all day. This is the stereotype of older Th women. This is. It, and I love how Rebecca Merkel calls it like day-old donuts. Ugh. They're like the moms who come into town when, with all the young college girls that want to mm -hmm. look just like them. And it, yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, yeah. They're to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. This is not giving up language. Yeah. This is now it's your job, like Psalm 71. I love this verse. Psalm 71, 18. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, yeah. your power to all those to come. Yeah, and he even applies that in other places to great grandkids. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's not just stopping there. So yeah, it, the, the, the finish line is, <clears throat> is when I lay my, my life down and I go to my coffin, that's my finish line. Yeah. And it's not to say that you're going to be able to have the same strength as a young man. Well, I wanted That's to comment point, on that, actually. Woman. I wanted yeah. to say, like, the context of Titus 2 as an older woman can be done with somebody who is not physically mobile anymore. True. You can, if you are, what, however old you are now, if you're trying to grow in wisdom right now in the word, you will be a wealth of knowledge and treasure yeah. and practical application to your daughters and granddaughters yes. in teaching them how to love their children and their husbands and keep their homes. Yes. And I, I really like to emphasize this because what is at stake in that passage of us doing this or not doing this? It's not our reputations. It's not our salvation. It's the word of God being reviled. So Yeah, that's serious. So if you are, you know, you proclaim to be a lover of scripture as a woman and a lover of 
you know, your kids and your grandkids, yet you're not doing any of these things or making it a priority. That's a problem because the Lord says you're reviling scripture. You know what? I think this also can look like there's a, we're going to talk about some, you know what? I'm going to save this. I need to take a note though about spending your time on Christian things. And yeah. actually neglecting the instruction. So we'll, we'll get Can back we to talk that. about that though. Cause I kind of want to talk about that. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So, so I was going to say it's one way that older women can fall into this trap. Yes, older men too, about this. is to say like, Oh, I'm going to spend all my time. I'm going to have a Bible study every day. Yep. I go to a church function every day. I hope th- I basically measure the church on, does it have enough Bible studies and ministry yeah. to keep me busy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And instead of, instead of spending time in my kids' homes, and instead of saying, can I help with laundry? Can I help with dinners? Can I come over and, you know, pour into this younger generation? Can I help with kids and music lessons and things? You know, all these things that when you're in the thick of it in the young years, it's such a help to have the older, wise generation coming in, giving that deposit of faith and serving. And Paul's talking about very practical things in Titus 2. Yeah. Not, not sitting and spending all my time in the next Bethmore Bible study or the next inductive Bible study or all the different church events where I'm sitting and I'm just like, well, I feel very spiritual because it's a church thing. Yeah. But are you pouring out? To your grandkids, like first priority to your grandkids. Yeah. Not just the people in your church. Yeah. Or your state if you're in a different state. Or your job. Yes. Well, okay. So that's what I wanted to say too is... <sighs> Some of y'all might not like this, but a lot of this requires you being home. You yeah. having the free time in your schedule to either be home, to invite people to your home, or to be in your family members' homes. There's no getting around that. I don't know how else to put it. And I, I've noticed this too. Like, If you stay home, it's very easy to say you're staying home to be a full-time homemaker when it's efficient, when it saves money to not send them to daycare when it saves money to homeschool them and not send them to private school. You're a full-time homemaker. If you're not doing it from a conviction of scripture though, again, the second they're gone, you're going to go get a job. You're going to go get a job and you're going to be gone and you're, you're not going to be homeward oriented anymore. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think so. So there's a disruption. Yes. So then what happens? And I'm not saying that any grandma that has a job is sitting. Correct. That's not what I'm saying. No. Um, I mean, I have friends with kids that are, a little bit older and they're working and they're doing yeah, it well. Absolutely. I'm not saying that's you, you, not possible, yeah. but the average woman who has not been discipled in this way is doing that today yeah. and she's not doing it We're well. We're talking about order of yes. priorities and how it lands in the practical. So you, I think I think it's important for husbands to protect their wives' time mm-hmm. as they get older yeah. and not just say, hey, you have the free time to go get a job. Why don't you go get a job? Yeah. Because it's going to be so much harder once the grandkids are involved to to pull back and to not have that extra money Mm -hmm. and to not have that extra social time outside the house and turn back to this humbling work. Yeah. Sorry ladies, but I see it everywhere. Yeah, it is everywhere. It is everywhere. And it's a lot of it's because people don't have a model. Yeah. There's, there's a disconnect. Something's going to fill that. Yeah. That we are created to work. That's the thing is we're created to work as men and women. So when, when our primary, primary calling as a woman, our children, they leave the nest, we're going to fill that. It's a godly desire. Yeah. It's not bad. But are you filling it with the best things you could be filling it with for yeah. your season? And, and I think some of this is that some of the types of situations we're talking about seem radical to our culture. Oh, things yeah. like consider moving in with one of your kids' families 
with one of you, you know, consider it. If if there's opportunity and say, can we, let's, let's consolidate houses. Let's do, I mean, these things seem radical to us, but that's completely normal historically. Uh, completely normal for intergenerational living situations to happen. And to it, it makes it so much easier to do that work if there's nearness. And a lot of times I see um, aging parents as well, where their children have moved away, where things are happening the opposite direction that they ought to be, where the young children are... F- trying to put down roots in a community, for example. We have this in our church where there are young families who are trying to put down roots and build, and they love the church, and they're they are having children and that sort of thing. And then they have parents in another state, maybe, who are coming to the end of their years or they're starting to need some care, and mm-hmm. the parents will re- absolutely refuse to consider moving to be with yeah. the children. They want the children to uproot their whole lives and go basically start over to be near them. Well, the opposite should be happening. Oftentimes it's not a good spiritual situation going back there. Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot more that a, a young family is having to decide than just like mm-hmm. taking care of mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to honor their parents. Yeah, they and- do. And that's what's so sad about so much of this is they, they really do. It's yeah. just really not ideal. Yeah, and the thing is you, they'll, they'll, a lot of times grandparents, the grandparents will be better served and they will better serve by taking the initiative and coming and joining in with the younger generation. That should be the direction where they're reaching down to help the younger generation from the storehouses of uh, wisdom and resources that they've built up. Now they're going to come and help. And then in return, also the younger generations are going to care for their elder elderly mm-hmm. parents and say, you're not going to be in the nursing home at first opportunity. I know there are situations medically and things like that yeah. where, where people need certain care, but the default is you're going to come to my house. We're going to get you the first floor uh, room that you can get in and out of easily. We're going to care for you and you're going to pour into the kids. And there's this mutuality there. That's beautiful. Yeah. Another goal I think Christian grandparents ought to have is to function as a force multiplier for the next generation. And this is, you know, anybody familiar with the concept of force multiplication understands what I mean, like good strategy is a force multiplication and a force multiplier in war where you have, you know, a certain number of guns and bullets and troops deploying them wisely makes those troops more effective than they should have been. It's a force multiplier. So godly Christian grandparents function this way into their children and children's children in, in things like, think about this, pay the tuition to the Christian school, force multiplication, watch the kids, force multiplication, don't rush back to work when the kids move out. Force multiplication. Buy your kids good books. Force multiplication. Be assertive, not overbearing help. Not waiting to be asked, but showing up and taking the initiative. This is all force multiplication type of behavior and I think we've been talking about mm-hmm. here, but that's a, a phrase that I really would put examples. to it. And, and what you're saying is, as a force multiplier, how can I get the ball further down the field for my children and their children than would, have, would be possible if they were left to their own? resources. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it can be hard for a young mom and dad to know exactly how to ask for help. So it could be helpful. I know that you want to do an in the kitchen on specific ways our parents have blessed us, Yeah, but I think it can also be helpful f- maybe for grandparents to say like, can you give us a list of maybe five financial, physical, yeah. mental ways we can help? I'm not saying we can meet all those needs, yeah. but we want to see a variety of your needs right now 
And then, you know, dad and I, or mom and I are going to pray about how we can meet those needs for you guys. It's so good. Because then you're not saying, it's not like, well, I need this one thing. And so the expectation is or isn't met. Yeah. And then you're mad or you're not mad. Yeah. Or somebody becomes embittered. And not that that's how it has to go, but I just think that could be a really helpful way for parents to understand where their kids are in their lives. And also just, because you still, the thing is, you don't want, it's awkward when grandparents are serving under compulsion. Nobody wants that no, either. not at all. No. <laughs> so you want them to be cheerful givers too. And so part of it, I think we've learned this is like, what are, what are their personalities in the way they enjoy giving to yeah. you even and yeah. being willing to see that God created your parents that way Yeah, and not being frustrated that they didn't get created like your friend Susie's parents, yeah. you know, oh, they're doing this. Yeah. So every year they give them, you know, this much money to, <laughs> put down on their houses or help them with, you know, okay, Disney cool. World. Every, Praise God every for them. February we go to Disney world. Your yeah. parents are different and that's okay. Yeah. 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 I think that's so, such a good practical. So I think that's just really helpful for them to like think outside the box and have a variety of ways that can play two different strengths. Yeah. That's really good. So, and we will, we, we do a patron exclusive show for people who support bright hearth on Patreon, uh, where every week we release an episode where we talk more granularly sometimes about different things or or sometimes totally off the wall subjects that we think are helpful to building a productive Christian household. Um, so in the, the episode that comes out with this one, we are going to talk more about how our own parents have blessed us and you know how we've seen them uh, do a good job at this and and some practical things that we think might be helpful. But that's a good one. Call family meeting. Go. go Go say, hey, as a grandparent to your children, maybe as they're starting to have kids and establish their house, say, what are five ways that we could help you very practically and get specific? Yeah, and maybe check in like once a year or once every six months and say, hey, is this helpful now? Is this not? Because life is very seasonal for for when your kids are like, you know, under 18. (laughs) Um, And so one need could totally change within a matter of three to six months. Absolutely. So just how can I be a force multiplier for you? Well, if you've been listening to Bright Hearth for any length of time, you know that we are all about productive Christian households, supporting one another in business endeavors worth doing, and we're all about modest, feminine Christian women, masculine Christian men. So we're so excited to be partnering for this episode of Bright Hearth with a sponsor, Garlands of Grace. Garlands of Grace makes beautiful feminine head coverings, uh, whether you're wearing a head covering or a headband just for fashion reasons or uh, as a covering for 1 Corinthians 11 sort of matters, we'd really commend them to you. And Lexi, uh, we were just looking at their organics line. What do you think about that? It's very cute. <laughs> they are very cute. They have a lot of floral prints, and it's. I think it's really unique to find companies that are willing to even go the extra mile and use organic fabric. So Yes, we know that our listeners are not just interested in getting the cheapest, quickest, flimsiest things they can get, but they want to get quality um, products made that are going to support Christian households. And so we would commend these ladies to you and their company. Uh, you can head to garlandsofgrace.com and you can see a huge variety of head coverings, head wraps. They have them for women as well as girls. And um, they also have those volumizers. What are those again? They help keep your head covering in place so it's not slipping off of your head. Yes. And if, uh, you know, Lexi is taking care of five children plus one in the womb on Sundays while I'm preaching and teaching and leading the service. So it is important that it's not slipping off of your head so easily. 
when little people are kind of climbing and crawling over you. So that's been a help for you. Yep, I love it. Absolutely. Well, check it out there, garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode and you support our show when you support them. So uh, thanks for listening and now we'll get back to the episode. I think the last, one of the last goals, there's obviously more, but to put a name to it would be to finish the preparations and stick the landing on leaving a productive inheritance to my children's children. So the goal is that my children are busy working on inheritance for their grandchildren and, my, and their parents have been busy working on an inheritance for their children. So inheritance isn't necessarily intended to be like from, you know, first having the main uh, effect on your children, but on their children. Because you're close enough in age often as a parent that your children, by the time they receive their inheritance from you when you die, they're going to be up in years as well, right? So if they die at, at 75, 80, your children are probably in their yeah. 50s or 60s. Good point. So the biblical pattern, in Proverbs, it talks about a wise man leaving an inheritance to his children's children. So um, in the last quarter of life, you're trying to stick the landing, not just thinking about how can I get through retirement. You should be thinking about that. But also, how can I be thinking about my grandchildren and setting them up for things like productive inheritance? A good man leaves an inheritance to children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So we don't think about this. If we're not wise in our dealings, then our wealth will just be left to the government. It will be evaporated into the ether. It will be wasted on vacationing instead of thinking, can I leave rental properties? Can I start a family trust that's going to bear financial fruit in the family for the next generations? What Can I start the school? Can, what can I do to bear fruit in my children's children? I'm thinking of that quote. I don't know where it is. I feel like I've heard Eric say it, though, about like how a good man plants a grove for his grandsons. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Like you're... You're planting trees. Anyone who's planted fruit trees knows you don't get a good harvest for like a long yeah. time. <laughs> and even think about an oak tree. Like you're planting a tree, the shade of which you will never enjoy. But you know your Maybe children what it will is. enjoy Maybe it. that's what it is. Yeah. I can't remember who said that. It's a very famous quote. But yeah, that's the, that's the thinking here. Financially. Yeah. And I'm talking practically. Like, again, can I start a family trust with real estate that's in having income and that can then bless the children's children as they grow? And they can add to it, and it can continue to be built. And yeah. maybe you can start a family dynasty that takes over your town and provides Christian employment. for You know, like, there's so much possibility if we start to think, again, not in planned obsolescence, not in it all ends with my generation, but how can I link arms down the generation so that Christendom and Christian community and culture can thrive and be transmitted? Yeah, and I think this is why, again, when Paul talks about press on, keep pressing on, keep pressing on, uh, some of this does require mental flexibility in older age. Yeah. And that's usually the opposite of what we see happening. <laughs> let's, let's actually talk about some of the counterfeits of godly grandparents. And by this, I mean fake ways to be a godly grandparent. And the first one that we've talked about some, but the first one I have in mind is like the independent grandparent. This is the grandparent who won't accept help. They won't give up the car keys. They won't admit weakness. They won't accept <laughs> age. They won't move in with the children for fear of burdening that children. They won't, you know, admit that they're coming to the time of their life when they need to move in with the children, pour into the next generation, receive help where it's mutually beneficial. And they're just all together thinking too much of themselves as this isolated floating unit and not a part of a rich, deep intergenerationally connected family. I think it was Elizabeth Elliot. I'm trying to look it up right now, who actually said like she would regularly pray that she would grow softer in old age, mm. which it's ironic because, you know, she ended up, I think she passed away of dementia, if I remember correctly. But because 
Yeah, some of this, in some ways, some of your mentalness, you don't have control over. Yeah. Because you can get diseases and stuff. Absolutely. But, but that was her prayer the whole time is like, if that's going to happen, then make me softer around the edges. Yeah. Day by yeah. day. Another one would be like the vacationer. Um, and it, obviously, we're not anti-vacations. Like, it's it's not wrong to slow down your pace. I'm not saying you need to work at your vocation till the day you die. Um, no, yeah, yeah. Or never enjoy life with your the bride of your youth and go take her to Mexico, yeah. take her to Paris. I hope to take Lexi to Europe someday when well, see, that's she's a, never been. That'd that's be great. the thing, though, is like those are healthy patterns and habits that we have now yeah. that we'll take with us yeah. instead of like looking at... I don't look at that as the time because I enjoy times of mm-hmm. respite now. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not putting my stock in. It's not all like, oh, we're going to get nope. there and no. then it'll be good. No, we want a good, yes. rich life now. Yes. And, and it's Correct. okay. So don't hear me like as an <clears throat> absolutist, like huge jerk that's poo-pooing your vacation or whatever. But there is a stereotype of like I'm spending my kid's inheritance of – um, you know, that <laughs> stupid bumper sticker, uh, basically where I'm going to, I'm going to spend six months of the year snowboarding and vacationing yeah. and cruising around and everything. And I'm just going to basically live, you know, the equivalent of like a, a millionaire's lifestyle because I've put in my time and like, I'll send the kids postcards and, you know, maybe see the grandparent, the grandkids at Christmas and don't do that. Or alternatively, if you want to do that, how can you include your kids in it? Yeah, how can you set up your life to buy the vacation <clears throat> property when you're before that time so you can say, hey, kids, Let's come up do this for the, together. <laughs> the yearly tradition, the family retreat. Yes, the, yeah. That's great. That's glorious. But don't just piddle away your time thinking you're going to find satisfaction and joy, not in actually being productive yeah. in the unique ways that that season of life can be productive, but instead in just serving me, serving myself. And, uh, you know, do enjoy the thing, enjoy the bride of your youth, all that's true, but don't piddle it away and think you're going to find your satisfaction in just unplugging. Another one would be the miser, the hoarder. I think this is an extreme example, but I literally know people who have said, my parents have told me, yes, I have millions of dollars saved up and we don't want to spoil you. We're leaving it all to this animal shelter when we die. Or, hey, I need, you know, the kids, I've heard families who say, you know, uh, uh, for example, a young man was starting a business in our church, and because of the, the his business being very new, he didn't have the proper credit for his business to purchase a work vehicle that they needed, and there was a great opportunity to do that, and uh, the, yeah, one like of the parents- Yeah, like a legitimate, was, wise opportunity. Great opportunity. Not a stupid opportunity. And uh, the, the parent had fin- total financial security and said, I'm not going to help you with this because I want you to learn the lesson of hard work and self-reliance. It's like Your son is actually starting a business at great personal risk to build the legacy of his children. Yeah. And you won't come and help him at all. He wasn't even asking I was for say, a handout. He didn't even want money. He, he was asking, just, co-sign, just right? help get the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the parent was like, nope. I, and there is a streak in, <laughs> in kind of um, the baby boomer generation of, a false idea of self-reliance as intergenerational hermetically sealed off. There's no help yeah. because they need to learn. It's like mm-hmm. they're good. Yeah. They should work hard, but help them work hard. Yeah. How, you know, set them up, help them. I think of the meddler as well. Mm-hmm. This is the grandparent that never. The one who's a curse. A instead curse. of a crown. Yes. <laughs> they just, they're, they're pushy. They're opinionated. They're continually. There's no quiet and gentle spirit about They're this grandmother. 
they're criticizing their children for yeah. all the decisions they make. Yeah. Yeah, this type of, I think the biggest sadness of this is that then your your children don't want to open up to you then oh, about genuine yeah. struggles. And it can be it can be really sad to hear people say that. Like, I, I can't talk to my mom or dad about this because I know that it's just going to, you know, turn into a yeah, fight or yeah. something. So, yeah, that's, don't be that person. <laughs> it's like you go to the, you know, the wife that your son chose and then instead of encouraging mm. her and helping the kitchen, you're yeah. like, oh, well, we always cooked with this ingredient. Why are you using this? <laughs> you know what? You should, why are you cooking it that way? It should be 350 for 20 minutes, not 375 for 18. It's like everything is a critique. Everything is a meddling. Everything is like, you have to do it exactly my way. There's not a proper freedom well, okay. or encouragement. So this is speaking as a pastor's wife who counsels a lot of women. I think the reason an older woman ends up that way is because she's not been spending her life in a Titus two way of just regular involvement in other women's lives, older and younger mm. than her. So she doesn't realize part of the process of sanctification is just that with time they figure it out. So instead she finally, for the first time at maybe 60 is going to start pouring into her, you know, daughter-in-law Yeah. And she has no concept of what actually discipling or counseling somebody looks like, mm -hmm. how much time it takes, yep. what is and is not normal weakness in a young woman and a young wife. And so she just then nitpicks everything because yeah. she's frustrated and because she has not spent the time she should have been learning to be a wise counselor. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, but when you do this regularly day in and day out with your own daughters, you know, your friend's daughters, your friends are doing it to you. You're speaking into one another's lives. Mm -hmm. You understand you don't have to solve everything. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't. And you're not expected to. No. But if you can be an encouragement, if you can say, I'm in your corner, if you can say, yeah. what can I do to help? Yeah. If you can, I'm praying for you regularly. I mean, th these are these are gems that you can give. Well, and that's what I mean is like, you don't have to be a mobile mother-in-law or mother in order to do that. Just yeah. call them uh, praying for you like... Here's a verse I had on my heart for you. Yeah. What is a specific situation I can be praying about? You know, this is a resource that helped me there. And then don't push the resource. Just that's it. Here it was is. a resource. Yeah. I'm not, you know. Hope it's a help. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, just being in your kid's corner. Yeah. Being your but grandchildren's yeah. corner is so important. And and the last you know, that comes to mind for me, like the the counterfeit godly grandparents is the one who is proud and haughty. And and basically assumes that there is no way that my, that their children might actually know things that they don't. It's unteachable completely. It gets hardened instead of humble in your old age because sometimes this is a trap when you do become mature and you do know a lot of things and, and good. You've gained a lot of knowledge. You have a lot to give. You can actually begin to overestimate your own knowledge and think you know everything. We all know what this is like as young, like young people. We all come to a point where we realize like, man, I was so much more confident than in my knowledge than I should have been when I was mm -hmm. 20 or 18 or 25 or even now. Like we're, we should always be learning that our knowledge has edges and be willing to genuinely learn from our children. Yeah. Like I hope our children teach us things in our old age. Yeah, that should be a normal expectation. But on the other side, you and I very regularly tell people when they come to us for counsel, like my dad's doing this silly thing. Why won't he listen to me? We regularly tell people it's not your job yeah, to change him, though. That's right. So we don't just so you guys know that's not something that we're we don't expect yeah. you to change them. Brian's always reminding me our job is to honor um, and respect our parents. It's not to change them. Yeah, it's not to continually criticize them or be you know we we want to honor our parents and say 
they've done a good job and yeah. encouraged them in their in the in the ways that they've been such a blessing to us on both sides. I can't even think of a time I've counseled somebody to confront their parents, to be honest. Yeah. Most of the time we say what you need to do is quiet down, pray yeah. for your parents and honor them. Yeah. I can't think of yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's uh this is a touchy one for sure. It's yeah. I'm more saying this from if you're an older person, make sure you're doing a self assessment yes, of this. Correct. Not yeah. if you know not go out and blast your parents <laughs> for saying like, well you still believe this doctrine thing and why won't you read the 10 you know, look sometimes your 65 70 year old father is not going to read the 10 theology books you told him <laughs> and change his whole life's theology yeah. praise god if he's a christian yeah. who's operating in his church don't obsess about making him a theonomic calvinist post-millennialist whatever it is <laughs> honor him and then be in for, for sure hopefully he's interested in having those conversations but your main job is to honor him well and that's what i mean about we say this about spouses like know your spouse it really is the same thing with your parents. You have to know what feels honoring and respectful mm. to them. Yes. You can't just try and fit your mold over them. Yes. Well, we're coming to the end of this episode here, and I just I, I wanted to end it with an encouragement uh, of how the gospel relates to our last years here. You know, things like Psalm 90, verse 12, as we're coming to the end of life, sometimes it's hard to make eye contact with death is coming, and I... What basically, I might have made mistakes in my earlier life. Maybe I feel like I didn't do all the things I should have, and now I don't have time. We can make eye contact with our own inadequacy, with our own smallness and our own frailty. Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So if you haven't done all these things, that's fine. The Lord is kind. He's gracious. Yeah, I loved the interview on King's Hall with Pastor Toby Sumter, Recently, and just the reminder that he said, like, there are no perfect families. Mm. Jesus didn't come yes. for perfect families. That that was such a good reminder of, like, okay, don't wallow, but also press on. Yes. Because this is normal that we all... I don't want to normalize failure, because yeah. that's not, that's not no. what I mean. But it is normal that we struggle with the flesh. And we're all going to have failures yeah. to reckon with. It's like the comfort of passages like Isaiah 46 is massive. Even to your old age, I am he. Yeah. To your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save. Second Corinthians 4, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so, yes, grandparents, older listeners, younger listeners, as you're aiming for your life to hit a certain kind of target on the last day, be a glory to your children. Be the crown. Be the glory of your children. Be a glory to your grandchildren. See your offspring and be glad. Run hard for the finishing line. Aim to make the enemy tremble before the godly legacy the Lord's blessed you with and given you. Lay down in your coffin on the last day of your race with everything left on the field, with a smile on your face, with faith in your heart that you have poured out for your people in the name of the Lord. And may he be with you as you pursue those goals. May his gospel give you encouragement. The Lord died and he rose so that we could be forgiven our sin and so that God could do much more abundantly beyond what we would ask or think. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bright Hearth. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. We hope that the sponsors that you've heard from in this episode as well would be uh, businesses you would consider to support. 
as you have needs in the areas that they provide. Those are good Christian companies. We'd commend them to you. And uh, you're helping to build Christian homes when you do that. And uh, also, if you'd like to help continue to make this show possible, support our work at Bright Hearth and New Christendom Press, and also receive some great benefits that we hope are helpful to you, encouragement, Q&A, an extra podcast that only patrons get, some great merchandise that we think is fun and uh, will hopefully encourage you as well as you drink your coffee out of your Feed the Patriarchy mug, then you can head to the link in the description and support the show. Uh, And uh, until next time, we'll see you on Bright Hearth. Lord bless you.